Ducks, episode 51, a sequel to the Mighty Ducks franchise. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast where Adam, Jeff, and Jeremy invite you on a cinematic adventure to create prequels, sequels, and reboots to your favorite movie franchises. Joined by special guests along the way, Sequel Quest is go for launch. So let the adventure begin now. Listen up, cake eaters. The quack attack is back, Jack. Quack, quack. quack. I feel like that should be the real chant they did. Gordon Bombay, baby. All right, well, we are talking The Mighty Ducks from 1992, D2, The Mighty Ducks from 94, and the finale, D3, The Mighty Ducks from 1996, starring Emilio Estevez. Joshua Jackson, Keenan Thompson, Sean Weiss, and dozens of other children that are now grown up. Getting into the ducks, the mighty ducks. I'm one of your hosts, Adam, taking the ice. And I am Jeff. I am Jeremy. And tonight, we have a very, very special guest. I'm going to say our number one listener. He's a Ducks fan from day one, and you better believe it, he's the real-life Gordon Bombay. He is a hockey coach. Welcome, Eric. Good to be here. I do not have the storied past of Gordon Bombay, but I do, in fact, instruct children how to play some puck. (laughs) Yeah, so without the drug driving, Gordon Bombay. Yeah, that's not on my resume. Or the minor league hockey, or really those. Yeah, pretty much none of that. I teach math. That's... Did you have a, a little old man that made you skates? Um, I bought some in a pro shop, but nice. that's about From it. A little old man that it made was... it himself. A twenty-year-old female, I think. <laughs> Please tell Jeff there was a little old man somewhere, somewhere. Somewhere, oh. known a little. He wasn't so little. He was much taller than little old oh, Emilio right. Estevez. Right. Now, Eric's other claim to fame is that he allowed himself to hang out with Jeff and I in high school. So he was among our group of friends. I re-injured his shoulder at one oh point. Broken oh, collarbone yeah. from playing hockey. Uh-huh. Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> but we're glad that he's forgiven us. And oh, no, it. I will exact my revenge tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. been holding this in for almost 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the Mighty Ducks, if you were a child in the 90s, it seemed like a blockbuster series of films that came out of the glut of kids sports films during the era right you know it's the sandlot and little giants and then disney you know the first mighty ducks came out in 1992 right before the mighty ducks of anaheim hit the nhl it's an expansion team owned by disney then we got angels in the outfield in 94 and they had also bought the anaheim angels right and then we got cool runnings in the big green after eisner lost a bet I don't know. But, you know, they just kept making kids sports movies. But I feel like the Mighty Ducks is the one that was shining the brightest out of all of them. Eric, let's just start with you. How did you feel as a hockey fan growing up? I feel like that was one of those things that in the long line of me getting into hockey was just another thing that layered on how much I grew to love the game. I started liking hockey when Wayne Gretzky got traded to the Kings in 88. My brother got into it and I got into it and whatever my brother did, I kind of got into too. And we started playing just roller hockey out on the street on our cul-de-sac and we didn't know what we were doing, but we were just skating around like fools and we had like a recycle bin that we'd shoot a ball into. And then street hockey games started. I mean, we played for a couple years and then that movie came out and it was like, oh my gosh, there is an actual movie that does the stuff that we do. We didn't play ice hockey, but we played roller hockey and there were scenes of kids on inline skates in that movie and I was just like oh my gosh this is like a thing this is a real thing it's not just something that we're doing on our own and uh, it kind of validated all the fun we were having because I didn't know many kids that played and just seeing that on screen was was pretty cool looking back now the hockey in that movie not so strong (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing yeah as a hockey coach now i'm like looking at that i'm thinking he taught them how to get exponentially better in one practice like (laughs) you throw some eggs out there and it's like all right we got we we got this passing thing down (laughs) it's like no (laughs) like that takes like a year (laughs) 
But no, I love those movies. I watched all three of them in the theater. They were part of my childhood. Then that's like the moment I kind of dropped baseball as my number one thing, which I know Jeff is going to like, yeah, it's going to be okay, Jeff. (laughs) It's not shocking. It's not shocking. But to me, you play hockey, you play baseball. There's no comparison. It's just so much more exciting. And I knew that when I was playing it. And then I think more people realized how great a game it was when those movies came out, cheesy as they might have been. Jeff, how about you? Basketball fan, baseball fan, where did hockey fall for you and then seeing a movie about hockey? Well, a couple of things is that one, like Eric brought up, is that when we were kids and right into that preteen era was when rollerblades came out and everybody was on rollerblades back in those days. So yeah, that was kind of the game that you played on rollerblades. And so then for this movie was very timely to come out. That was my same thought, especially in hindsight. It seems like the hockey in it is a little thin, like why the triple deke is the greatest move of all time. It's like, why doesn't the goalie just watch him? It's I have the some comments on the triple deke. <laughs> the flying V makes no sense in concept. And the knuckle puck, even as a kid, I found the knuckle puck offensive. Where I'm just oh, like, come on, knuckle puck. <laughs> ridiculous that somehow this kid could just do like basically a bad hockey shot because i played street hockey and i'm like if you do that that's just bad fundamentals it seems to me and somehow the iceland team it's a shooter stop the shooter come on that was ridiculous but on a side note adam has an aversion to sports no let me say absolutely no interest whatsoever in sports is maybe I'm the best way sure to kind he of put knows this. what they are like you know he knows <laughs> of them intentionally avoids them or my my point is this may be the only opportunity that we ever have on this show to actually do a sports film but for me again even though i'm not a big hockey fan i definitely appreciated it in the time it was very timely Uh, although again in hindsight it does need to be said this is basically a straight up remake of the bad news bears it's the exact same premise except without the profanity well by 1990s middle school standards, eh, profanity is a little different than it was in the 70s. But there nonetheless, was drunk driving. I mean, it's true. And that edgy. was the same thing with Walter Matthau. So it was the exact same concept, but they put it on ice. I would say growing up in Orange County, like we did, being near Anaheim, it was a big deal when the Ducks came around. Because like Eric mentioned, we had the Kings in Los Angeles. And I went to like one game in 1988, 89 era that my buddy's family took me along and I was like okay whatever but when this movie came out and we had the ducks in town I started going a lot more often just with friends that were you know getting in on the hype again my aversion to sports yes mostly because I was terrible at them and there's no superheroes (laughs) except we had the super pro cartoon show and that turned Uh Jordan and Bo Jackson and Gretzky into superheroes I was into that but um... you'd bring up that one (laughs) (laughs) but it worked the same on me where like I actually, at a garage sale, bought a pair of rollerblades, bought a hockey stick, and then I started playing pickup games after school at junior high with my buddy Brett. He was like super into hockey. And I remember we went to an Angels game once, and we were just being jerky 13-year-olds, and we were cheering for the Ducks for nine innings. We're just like, go Ducks! Woo! Quack, quack, quack! And everybody's just looking around at us like, you punks. So that was as close as I got to being connected. But what I've always come back to are the movies themselves are so fun. The attitudes of the kids was so much fun. Plus, I didn't know it was basically the end of Emilio Estevez's career as like a big name box office star. Because this is like years beyond The Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire and Young Guns and all those were rated R anyway, so I hadn't seen them. And then the only thing I probably would have seen of it after this is the first Tom Cruise Mission Impossible film where he dies right at the beginning. (laughs) You're just like, Emilio! Oh yeah, and Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> cameo and name only. Why did Greco make a cameo and they didn't actually get Emilio at the end? We're going to have to do a sequel to that where Emilio shows up. But Jeremy, how was hockey in the Pacific Northwest? Was it a sport to be had? No, actually. I don't remember anybody really playing hockey at all. The only real connection I had with these other than the movies themselves was the Disney cartoon of the Mighty Ducks action show or 
or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, do you guys remember this? I choose to forget. <laughs> I mean, it should have been called Superhero Hockey Ducks from Outer it Space, pretty, right? pretty much was. Yeah. The voice talent on that show was pretty impressive. It only lasted one season. It was like 1996, 1997. That was it. Wow. But you had Ian Searing, Steve, from Beverly Hills, I do You How had did Dennis it not Strong. succeed? <laughs> Plays in Sharknado now, bringing his star power to that. With Dennis Franz from NYPD Blue. We had Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond. And Jim Belushi from Your Nightmares. A pretty good cast they had. So I'm surprised kids couldn't appreciate those adult actors that we love so much. How dare they uh, not appreciate the gravitas that that role brought. (laughs) (laughs) But the real ducks, again, a big deal. I was bummed in the early 2000s when they changed the logo and became the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, everybody can't see it now, but Eric is actually decked out. He's got the original Ducks jersey, and then he's got the Anaheim Ducks hat with the new logo on. So he's representing all over. But that goalie mask that is in the duck shape is so iconic. I even remember Timu Salami. What was his name? You almost got it. His last name is not a lunch meat, I will say. Uh, it's Solani, but okay. Yeah, you know, you got close. Good try. I remember him skating around the ice. He is a Hall of Famer. Well, he will be. Yeah. So I'm curious, though. So the real life Mighty Ducks, they probably resented, I would imagine, actually being associated with the kids movie franchise for so long. But of the characters in the film, who were your favorites, either as a kid or now? Eric, how about you? I really liked Charlie Conway. I think Joshua Jackson was an actual actor. And after (laughs) while, I watched it again today during my amazing jury duty service. And... (laughs) Yeah, I had to do something. And he actually has some decent chops. I liked when he's trying to get Gordon Bombay to go out with his mom and just kind of needling him like, oh, you want to stay over for dinner? And it was those things like looking back now, the hockey's not that great, but it's a fun movie. And I actually like those scenes with him and Gordon Bombay where he's just like you could tell he kind of plays that role of like he wants a dad. And there's a little bit of heartbreak there. But I really like that as far as just the human element of it, because I felt that a lot of the characters were very silly, which I guess they were supposed to be, but I liked the kid who was actually bringing some emotion to it. Very nice. Jeff? Well, you said specifically the kids, because if you're just going to say the characters, my favorite was always Hans, the guy that made the skates, that was Gordon's, not even mentor, like father figure or whatever. Those were always my favorite scenes in the original, was getting back to the core of who you are. And again, as we talk hopefully later a little bit about sports movies, that quintessential part of that, where it's just kind of the love of the game element to it. As far as the players themselves, what I liked the most was in the second movie when they brought in the other street tough to be the two enforcers. I kind of liked that... The sad thing is a lot of people do kind of dismiss hockey as a bunch of people punching each other and like, oh, we went to the fights and then a hockey game broke out is kind of the old <laughs> cliche. And they've definitely fed into that cliche where there are these two guys didn't have a whole lot of skill or talent. They just pushed people and like knocked them over. And okay, there's a part of that that's in hockey, but they did do that element well whether it should be glorified or not is a different discussion i guess one of the bash brothers as was mentioned he's now foggy nelson on netflix yeah eldon henson he shot the puck really hard and he hit the net one out of every five times (laughs) (laughs) you know fun fact about him as well there's this other character who i always felt was the most useless because he didn't do anything was the character of gee and he's like connie's (laughs) boyfriend he's Eldon Henson's brother. They're brothers. And I had no idea. I just found that out the other day when I was researching the movies. I was like, really? It's pretty crazy. Of course, as a former fat kid, my favorite character was always Goldberg. I knew you were going to say Goldberg. (laughs) Gotta be Goldberg. The one with absolutely no skill on the team. (laughs) (laughs) All attitude. And he's basically the same as the fat kid catcher from the Sandlot, right? He's essentially the same concept wisecracking guy big mouth but the other person because he also was a nerd i associated with was averman the red-haired guy with the glasses you realize you are a perfect combination of those two characters none of this is shocking to me in any way (laughs) (laughs) averbird that's me speaking of which averman he was that screech looking kid in home alone 
you remember that scene where Buzz and Kevin and then this other kid with glasses and curly hair looking out the window? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's him, which I had no idea. He was also in So I Married an Axe Murderer. He's oh. head, move. That oh, he's head? No way. That's, That's actually the character's name. Is he H-E-E. has his own weather system. <laughs> yeah. His head's like Sputnik, spherical, but quite pointy in parts. I love that. And Goldberg was on the first season of Pee-wee's Playhouse. He's this kid named Elvis, which is interesting. Also, a kid who did not go through the rest of the franchise, but had his own history and legacy was Danny Tamborelli who was Little Pete on The Adventures of Pete and Pete on Nickelodeon. And he was also a cast member on All That with Kenan Thompson. So they did a lot of stuff, but the rest of them kind of disappeared other than if you're a fan of the state and all the spinoff projects like Wet Hot American Summer, Marguerite Moreau, Connie, she's in all those, the Wet Hot American Summer movies, all two of them. But yeah, <laughs> yeah they've done some things. Goldberg is spelt. Looking good these days, man. Yeah, I was shocked. I just looked him up on IMDb, and I was like, that's not the same guy. I learned a fun fact about D2, the Mighty Ducks. You know the kid who's the really fast skater but can't stop? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's Benny the Jet in The Sandlot. Well, and even there's another kid, the one who calls Adam a cake eater in the first film. Is that an insult? Can we talk about that? Like, is that a thing? Well, I I did research on it. It's an actual insult in Minnesota for people who live in the rich part of town. It's like Uh, Marie Antoinette has to eat cake type thing. I had a feeling it was about that, but I was like, cake is delicious. I don't know why that would be bad. I like cake. But Jeremy, could you give us a synopsis of these films? Because I think everybody's probably seen the first one. The second one is my personal favorite. I love the idea of them playing at a higher level. And then the third one, I think most people forgot about. But let's hear, like, what were the basic plots? All right. These are going to be very brief. So D1, a lawyer is forced into coaching a ragtag peewee hockey team as community service for drunk driving, facing his own childhood failures on the ice in the process. D2, the Ducks are recruited to be... Team USA at the Junior Goodwill Games and face the sinister team from Iceland. Meanwhile, Coach Bombay struggles to keep his ego in check and the team together as the new players and corporate sponsorship enter their lives. D3, the Ducks have to deal with a new coach and bullying from the varsity squad when they receive a special scholarship to play freshman hockey for a private school. There's big stakes on the line in these movies. Big stakes. (laughs) Granted, I realize this now, but as much as we kind of follow, oh, we're we're invested because the Ducks, we want the Ducks to win. But these are really just Gordon Bombay story arcs. Yeah, the first two, at least. I mean, the third one, he basically showed up for a cameo. Yeah. Yeah, he was directing another movie and he got like four days off that he could shoot, apparently. And so they were like, all right, you're going to give an inspirational thing and you're going to tell him that you can't coach the team so go in there go get him <laughs> and he also said if i show up that you're gonna produce a movie that i'm directing so basically that was the other thing is Emilio wanted this movie to get made They're like you got to come back for a ducks movie he's like fine good deal i'll be there for 10 minutes eric you said you saw d3 in theaters what did you think about that idea it's really just like infighting between varsity and freshman teams i think at that point One of the only reasons I went to go see the third one is because the number one draft pick that the Ducks had, Paul Correa, actually makes a cameo in that movie. And so I was I was really excited to go see him in this cameo, which turns out to be probably the worst sports cameo in the history of ever because he is a very wooden human being. But um, looking back now, I, I really wish they had done something else with that third one, which is, I guess, what we're going to do today. But did any of you read the oral history that Time did of the franchise? Oh, no. If you Google it. Time Magazine, like a couple years ago, did an oral history of all three movies and they talked to all the major people who were involved. And the creator of the movies said he wanted to do something completely different with the third one, but the powers that be said it needed to be something else. So he didn't really get to make the movie that he wanted to. And it was really more of a Charlie Conway story at that point because mm-hmm. they didn't have Estevez. So not the strongest of the three, I would say. 
All right, Jeff, I know you had some commentary just in general on sports films, maybe just outside of this. Like you said, this may be your only opportunity to (laughs) (laughs) to discuss it. Although I hope that we can branch out. We can return to some franchise someday. But you obviously, as a sports fan, get a lot out of them. What do you hold in the highest esteem? Kind of like you said, (laughs) well, (laughs) which bears repeating because it happened before we came on the air. The specific quote, I believe, was every sports movie is a true story half of the time. That's a yogiism. That is a total yogi. It's yogi, yogi Berra. We've done Uh, good work here, gentlemen. But the reality is that you do get some of them. You get movies like Miracle. But it is kind of tough to make a movie based on a sports story because it's kind of like you needed to be there. Like Eric, before that we started recording, he was talking about uh, watching Game 7 when the Cubs won the World Series and how exciting that was. And if you would have just tuned in to the 10th inning of Game 7 of the World Series last year, sure, it would have been exciting. There was, you know, drama and stuff like that. But then if you go back and you watch all seven games, all of a sudden you have more context of what they went through. Then if you go back and watch all 162 games, then you get the context of the entire season of struggle. And then you go back to the whole 108 years that the Cubs have been fighting to get to the World Series. The context gets so much bigger and the story just grows and grows and grows. And it's all about that personal connection that the fans like Eric had to the Cubs and et cetera, et cetera. And for me, what I love about sports, as a baseball fan, the closest thing to a sports movie about sports is I always look at Major League because Major League is kind of the same story as Mighty Ducks, where it's this ragtag bunch of guys that get together to accomplish something and what they accomplish happens to be sports. But then it tells the story of their baseball season as a story. And that's what I think is the most interesting thing about most sports movies. Most sports movies, and I would argue even this movie itself, aren't actually about sports. I mean, this movie, I like especially D1, D2, 3, maybe it's a little bit different. D1 is not about hockey. And that's even the thing, too, when Bombay like recruits all of these people that aren't really playing hockey, per se, but they have these skills that he's able to kind of like get them to work together. And I was even reading, because again, I'm not a huge hockey fan, but I was really trying to like, what do people love about hockey? What is so great about hockey? And one of the, there you go. One of the legitimate things that I could get behind that I read was they said it's one of the most team sports because you can't play one person because you can't play offense and defense and goalie and like the whole thing. The whole team has to work together. And that's really what this, movie and then hopefully the later movies were also about was that idea of teamwork when i think for me like i've coached youth hockey at the middle school and high school level i coach inline hockey i have for like 13 years and i've had actual seasons like they had where we had a bunch of kids like in seventh grade who I just recruited out of my math class because I was like, I need four skaters. (laughs) And the kids were like, what's hockey? And I'm like, you're on the team. And (laughs) we had a full year where we, the first season we won nothing. And I think we scored like two goals the entire season. And then the next season we actually won our first game and the last game of the season. And by the third one, we actually won the championship of that league. And when I was watching it during my fantastic jury duty to Day. I was starting to get teared up a little bit when I was watching that again, because even though a lot of the circumstances in the first movie are kind of insane and in how they like progress so much in like two practices. Yeah, I've actually seen that play out on a year long scale. And when we won our first game ever in the second season, it was like we had won the Stanley Cup and the kids are so excited. And that does happen, not in the time scale that they present, but it is pretty cool to see like a team come together like that. And that's what I really like about the first movie is bringing together a bunch of kids who maybe have never played before or just have this certain special skill and getting them to work as a team. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. I have a little coaching experience too, everywhere from little league to freshman to doing a little bit on the junior college level. But watching these movies again, it's with a totally different light, as you were saying, that you're seeing it from the coach's side of things rather than just the players. Oh, and I get so angry at the coach. Oh man, that guy is evil. (laughs) 
like we lost because of you. Like what? No, <laughs> you, you would never say that to a kid. I don't know if that's just a caricature, if that was somebody in somebody's personal life that they really wanted to flesh out in a character, but that just hurts my soul. Oh yeah. Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see where we take our stories then, because like you said, most sports films not being about sports, it would actually be pretty funny to see a movie that was like just focused on, you know, creating plays and doing drills. And that's really all it is. Like just getting ready for the season. Who are these people? Doesn't matter. They're just playing and they're winning. Like I, it would right. be, has somebody made that film and I just have not seen it. Like they just took all drama and character development out of it. Well, then they're documentaries. Like they did the one where they ah. just followed the Arizona Cardinals around for a season. But even then, then they really try it. Basically it becomes professional wrestling where yes, the sport is the big thing, but we also want to try and learn who is Larry Fitzgerald? What's his deal? I want to hear him interviewed. I want to know. And because again, even as a sports fan, you know, each one of the players as characters, as humans, like when I'm cheering for the Dodgers, when Justin Turner comes up to plate, I know who this guy is. I know that he's got this ridiculous red beard. And every time <laughs> that he comes up, like animal from the Muppets cheers for him. Like he's, he's a character, <laughs> even though he's a real human being. <laughs> I will have to tune in just for that. One of my other, you know, again, we're talking hockey, but one of my favorite sports films of all time is A League of Their Own, which I've only been once to like a baseball convention. And so I got to go and they actually had the uniforms and a whole display for all those women's teams that played in the 40s. So that was really cool to connect to. And then I went up to this booth where they had a green screen and they would insert you into some commentator interviewing you after a game. And instead of just doing a fake, like, it was a great game, it was a team effort, I just did a whole rap that talked about Tommy Lasorda <laughs> and Ultra Slim Fast and all sorts of stuff. Because I was in line for like an hour, so I was just writing my rap out. And then they give you a DVD of it, which is pretty cool. So I'll have to put that up on the feed. You know, here's Adam relating to sports on some level. On wow. some level. I'm just kind of shocked you know who Tommy Lasorda is, but good for you. Uh, well, just because of Ultra Slim Fast notice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not really who he was or anything, but. All right. Well, it's time to get into the pitches. Adam, do you want to kick us off this time? Sure, as the non-sports fan, I'm sure you'd be curious where I took this. No, it is not an Averman and Goldberg buddy comedy a la Wade's World. My film is called The Mighty Ducks, colon, The Slapshot Kid. (laughs) After the, yeah, there we go. After the events of D3, the Ducks disbanded and most did not go on to play professionally, instead they chose to pursue different dreams. Charlie, however, had a good run in the minor leagues and was eventually recruited by the Minnesota Wild. And he's now entering what is expected to be his last season, having played for 15 years as a crowd favorite, but unable to deny that he's losing his speed and his power. At a dinner with his wife, Caitlin, Charlie's mom, and coach Gordon Bombay, they all share memories of Charlie's accomplishments on the ice over the years. Everyone's proud of his legacy, except his eight-year-old son Cameron who only knows his dad from his waning years and instead is idolizing the superstar master of the slap shot Sergei Rekchev who plays for the Nashville Predators and is known for his rough style of offense. Cameron chides Charlie on never fighting back when he's challenged in a game and kind of looks down on him. So after dinner Charlie's kind of lamenting his situation with his son. Coach Bombay helps calm his ego so Charlie prepares to get ready for the season an opener that's actually against the Predators that next night. So Charlie gets uh, hooked by Rekchev after he scores a goal, and so Charlie decides to impress his son by attempting to fight the younger brute, and is given a broken shoulder for his trouble. Eric? Yeah. It <laughs> happens, kids. Charlie. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> but this leads to Charlie going on the injured list, and he's given only two months to be cleared for play, or risk being cut from the team in his final season. So depressed, and kind of give it up after his recovery just doesn't seem to be going very well and feeling kind of stiff. Charlie actually gets visited by three of his friends, Averman, who's now a morning radio shock jock, Goldberg, who's the svelte fitness guru, and Adam, who actually also went on to be in the NHL and plays for the Los Angeles Kings. So in an attempt to cheer them up, they're trying to remind him of all the stuff he's accomplished, but to no avail. And Charlie gets frustrated, rips off his sling, and he just 
slaps a puck through the garage door and it embeds himself in his car door and they're all in disbelief they're just like do it again do it again which he does and this time he actually knocks down a tree across the street so everybody's just like what happened so he goes to the team doctor and he's told that his tendons have healed uh, extra tight in his shoulder I feel like I've heard this before gosh I've seen this movie where did I see this movie yes lost to the ages of course I don't know I can't picture it being a Cubs fan and all uh, so Charlie is cleared for play in the team's next game but like Fulton in those early films, has no control over his shots. So Fulton takes a break from his accounting practice, and he's going to teach Charlie the ways of the power shot and also gives him a little Bash Brothers training on how to defend himself. So soon, Charlie is like the talk of the NHL, destroying scoring records. He's being feared for his left hook, which is also supercharged now. So he's able to knock out enforcers with a single punch. Oh my punch. gosh. Yeah. Uh, and he begins getting real prideful about his newfound abilities and the fame he's getting. And he's showing off on the ice. He's actually trying to start fights. And the public's, like, eating it up. And soon, like, you know, he's on late-night talk shows. He's talking smack about Rekchev on ESPN, especially because now he's leading his team and they actually get to the playoffs. So in addition to that, he's getting his son's admiration, but for the wrong reasons. So Cameron is actually getting into fights at school, trying to be like his dad. So Charlie's mom and Coach Bombay try to talk to him, but he doesn't want to accept that anything's wrong. He gets calls from some more of his old teammates, but just rejecting him, especially because he actually has a game in the playoffs against the Kings, and he actually injures his old teammate, Adam, which even now Cameron, his son, is finding questionable. They see that he's kind of going off the deep end. So the the wild roster and the coaching staff are also resenting his showboating. Charlie's just in a bad, bad situation, bad state of mind. But he continues to shine. He's making the goals. He's doing what he's got to do. But they are in now the championship series against the Predators. And he purposely humiliates Rekchev. But during the penultimate game, he finds out in the, the second period that his ligaments have relaxed and he's what? now lost his power. <laughs> I don't know, medicine. I'm just saying, movie Plot medicine. Twist. And so Rekchev <laughs> comes in and actually knocks him out cold on the ice. And so now it's the night before the final game. Charlie's finally humbled. He's apologizing to his family and friends, especially his son, for setting a bad example. And then Fulton shows up and tells Charlie that being feared on the ice for being a Bash brother and having his wicked shot was never his secret. It was being part of the Ducks and seeing Charlie make a difference with his heart and his determination. So he leaves giving Charlie a Ducks jersey and heads out. So in the locker room before the final game, Charlie is apologizing and rallying his team telling him they're going to win together for the few tricks he learned as a kid. So in the first period, the predators are dominating, but a knuckle puck helps keep oh. Charlie and the wild on board. And then Charlie sheds his NHL Jersey at a certain point and shows off his ducks design. And so now the wild bust out the flying B to tie up the game and then <laughs> after an attack by Charlie's given a penalty shot and he wins the game with, you guessed it, a triple, triple D. D. <laughs> wow. But, this was his last game. This is his final season. So in his retirement speech, a few days later, Charlie gives a speech about relying on friends. They help you be your best. Thanks to all who have supported him. And most of the Ducks alumni are there to applaud him. Then a surprise announcement is made by the owner of the Wild. So inspired by Charlie's leadership and bringing the Stanley Cup to Minnesota, they've decided to make him an assistant coach and are renaming the team the Minnesota Wild Wings with uniforms featuring a Ducks-inspired <laughs> logo. The wow. crowd goes crazy. Charlie puts Cameron on his shoulders, showing off the New Jersey. Then Bombay and the Ducks crew lead the crowd in a quack, quack, quack chant as credits roll. <laughs> All right. Well, Jeff, you want to go for yours? I think my sure. favorite part about that was when you said he makes a goal. Like, <laughs> well, how, do you, how am I supposed to say? He scores a, a goal unit point? <laughs> I think it's called a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> And then they got the two-point safety afterwards. Then so. they're down yeah. to one love, and he makes yeah. a slam dunk. Mm -hmm. Home run. <laughs> okay. Well, oh. I, I, 
actually, before I go, quick question, because uh, I admit, I didn't see the third one, but wasn't the end of the second one where Charlie wasn't good enough to be on the team anymore? That's why they made him like the captain? They gave him clipboard duty. He became yeah. like, well, a coach. Well, I, I thought I thought it was there was a spot they needed on the team, and he stepped down. Yeah. Like, Banks had the wrist injury, and then he came back, and he's like, see, I can hold the stick now. And then they needed the spot, so. Yeah. Right, so clearly nobody else gave it up. So wasn't Charlie the worst player on the team? Because it seems like <laughs> in the third one, he's the best player on the team. Well, it's his story. He's the captain, and they lost a few more people from the previous films. So, right, you know, there's well. a spot opened up. Now, and I will admit, because, and again, I'm a sucker for a good sports movie, and then I had this kind of crazy idea for one, and then I started writing it, and it turned out that's actually what I came up with. So I went in a very different direction. So just... As a, as, a, as a warning before we get going here. Uh, I still don't love this title, but it's maybe the best one I can come up with. It, I wish it didn't sound so cheesy, though. It would be a Mighty Duck, singular. So anyway, the movie's going to start with a montage, and the montage is going to be highlights of the first three movies, and then it's going to show that after they graduate from Eden Hall, Charlie and Linda both go to UCLA, where they graduate in 2002. Afterwards, they get married. They decide to stay in California. Maybe they move down to Anaheim. And the montage continues with their wedding and, you know, honeymoon and whatever. Then I was kind of picturing a similar montage to the beginning of the movie Up. It would be silent you're not hearing any dialogue it's just a montage but you see them going to the doctor and linda crying because they are unable to have a baby but then they decide to adopt probably somewhere around 2005 they adopt a four-year-old and then sometime in the next couple of years when the baby's maybe seven or eight looks like linda starts getting sick and then eventually linda dies and that's the end of the montage and then the movie actually kicks off with charlie and his son of undisclosed name i mean it would be disclosed in the movie i just don't know what it would be uh anyway they're living in <laughs> hey you uh, kid <laughs> exactly living in los angeles orange county area the son by now is about 14 and as a teenager he's distanced from his father charlie is still a huge big hockey fan but being that he lives in southern california his son has no interest in hockey because there's no such thing as ice in Southern California. So no one plays hockey, especially now that rollerblades are not as, as big as they used to be. But Charlie still loves hockey, so he keeps dragging him to every hockey rink he can find. Like, oh, look at this. It's so great. So And the son's just not into it at all. Finally, during one of the times he's bringing him to the local ice rink or whatever, a parent happens to recognize him from his times with Team USA and convinces him that he needs to coach their peewee hockey team because they need some help. And Charlie jumps at the chance and gets way into it. They're really good. They're really receptive. They're one of the best teams. As opposed to being the team of lovable losers, I was kind of thinking more like the Sandlot, where it wasn't that they were bad and these characteristics made them good. They just were unique and so that they stood out to the audience. So the team goes on. They're doing really, really well. They make it all the way to the playoffs. And then in the audience, Charlie sees Gordon Bombay is there. And he's like, oh, Gordon, you wouldn't believe like this team, man. We're winning and everything you taught me is just working. And and Gordon just, oh, okay, great. How's your son doing? Uh, Well, well, but but this team, this team is really winning and it's doing everything like that. And he's just like, yeah, but, but where's, you know, whatever son's name is. So they kind of have this realization moment where he's realized that he's poured everything he has into this team and hasn't spent the time connecting to his son because his, he can't connect to his son through hockey. So I had two different options for an ending to a movie at this point. Either one, the most unsports-like thing possible, in the final game, Charlie decides to leave the team behind because he's going to go with his son and not even watch the final game, which is an audience member. Oh, it would tear my heart out, but it's that point that sports isn't everything. There are some things that are more important to sports, or the second more cheesy option would be he leaves the team to go see his son and his son was like, well, dad, you know, why don't we sit and watch the game anyway? And they sit and they watch the game together and they have a bonding moment, even though Charlie is still putting his son before the game. So those are my two alternate endings. By the way, I have the name for the son. I think it's obvious. Deke Conway the third, Triple Deke. Wow. Or actually Gordy might not be bad. Wayne. Any anyone named after a great hockey player, that might make sense too. Hans. Call the Hans, child yeah. Hans. Hans. Uh -oh. <laughs>
All right, Eric, let's hear your pitch. I don't have much. I got bones, but that's about it. My thought, I went a little morose at the beginning because I don't need Emilio Estevez in my movie. But uh, <laughs> So it starts off kind of like Jeff's where I still focus on Charlie Conway, but he's older now. Joshua Jackson's actually my age pretty much, so he's in his mid-30s. And he's at the funeral of, yeah, that's right. I killed him. Uh, he's at the funeral <laughs> of Gordon Bombay, and his 10-year-old daughter is with him, and she knows about Gordon Bombay. Obviously, he was an important person in his life, so he passed on those stories about him playing youth hockey and all that. And then um, they kind of go back to their hometown. They're back in Minnesota but now he's a social worker and he does work with foster youth because with his situation, you don't, you don't really know what happened to his dad in the first one. They said he's away or he's gone, but you kind of get the idea that he split. And so what he does is youth outreach and he's actually put together a hockey team of girls. And so this would be D4, the Lady Ducks. And it's basically <laughs> like a rehash of the first one, but the entire cast is girls and you get kind of the characters in there. But it's the Wonder Woman of hockey movies. I don't know. I'm going with nice. that. <laughs> so I feel like there needs to be another really good female centered because I've had girls play on my hockey teams in the past. I think in the last 13 years, I've had like four and it always makes the team more interesting when you have just different people on the team. And so I would love to see a all-female hockey team movie. I don't have much more than that, but that would be what I would like to center it on. Nice. I think that's a very marketable idea. The studios are looking for something like that. I thought it was at least somewhat groundbreaking with the first movie where they had two different girls on the team and they, mm. they kept adding more as the as, as it went on. And that was my favorite part also of those movies is that nobody cared that there were girls on the team. They were just on the team and that wasn't a, really a thing. And like you don't see that very much in baseball or any other kind of football movies it's like it's always like when kathy ireland was in unnecessary roughness and she was the <laughs> kicker and it was like oh they have a girl and oh, oh she's so pretty blah 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 yeah, and it was supermodel. like yeah. so that's my horrible pitch nice no no all right so my pitch 1996 they were freshmen they had a graduated 1999 college grad somewhere around 2003 which would leave them a 13, 14-year career if they jumped straight to the NHL. So Bombay took over Han's shop, and that's pretty much where he's been ever since. Guy and Charlie went on to the NFL. Guy went down with an injury probably about five, six years in and has transitioned to the coaching side of the game. Charlie has persisted through thick and thin and injury and... He currently signs with a rebuilding professional Anaheim Ducks squad, choosing to sign where Guy is now coaching to round out his career, once a duck, always a duck. First act of the movie would follow Charlie's kind of dwindling career, interacting with Guy, getting caught up with whatever mighty ducks we can get our hands on for this movie and also where charlie would be lending a hand to connie coaching the mighty ducks youth squad connie did have a career she went on to medal multiple times with the u.s women's hockey squad so she's got a track record of success all of her own charlie and connie have been on and off again and currently are together and it's at this point where charlie's faced with an ultimatum by the ducks to retire or we're going to release you kind of deal and it's at this point where he makes peace with the decision and decides to retire as a duck and he and connie tag team coaching the mighty ducks and we're introduced in the second act to all of his new team and kind of kick off where we can go from here. I wouldn't be opposed to incorporating Eric's idea of maybe Bombay going down and being retired from the series. Retired from life. Uh, right, exactly. right. <laughs> Just well, get the that only... question out of there right in the beginning. <laughs> Is Emilio going to show up? <laughs> nope. <laughs> well... I mean, if we if we base the whole show in the Anaheim area and Bombay's running the hockey shop back in Minnesota, there's not going to be too much crossover, maybe some FaceTime or whatever, but just brief to show that he's there. 
And I would say this this movie would definitely have to be kind of Charlie's swan song, I guess. And I hadn't fully come up with a third act. Well, still, yeah, that's an interesting path for him to follow. I think you could do something interesting with the spouses coaching together. Right. So you have the husband and wife coaching team. That'd be pretty novel. Yep. All right. Let's go to the votes. Eric, which pitch? Uh, as as fun as Rookie of the Year, I mean, the Adam <laughs> sequel sounds. Um, I like the father-son aspect of what Jeff's got going on there. I don't quite understand the ending. Is he coaching the game? Is he just watching it with them? Is he just like, I need to be at my son's surfing competition? Or, like, you know, because he doesn't <laughs> care about hockey at all. I don't know, but I like that idea that he gets so enveloped in the coaching aspect that he forgets to pay attention to his own kid. And we could make it a girl instead. Like, maybe he wrote her off as, like, not even wanting to participate, and then he realizes, I got so into hockey that I didn't even think about the fact that she's got her own thing going on, and she doesn't care about this, and I don't respect that, but I really should, kind of a thing. All right. Adam? Well, Eric and I have a similar idea here, and I don't know. This is unprecedented. I don't know if this is even legal, but... But I kind of, you know, <laughs> make the rules. So maybe I can make it a dress But I actually want to split my vote between Eric and Jeff if they're willing to combine their ideas. Because I really do see that those two stories could work so well together. There's some potential there that Charlie's not seeing. And then at the same time, you know, he's got to kind of build the relationship with her through hockey. But then it actually gets a group of her friends to go like, I don't know, we'll talk about it. But my vote is split for Eric and Jeff. Oof. That's crazy. Okay, well... I'm causing all sorts of controversy on my guest appearance. <laughs> I guess, man. <laughs> all right, Jeff. Well, I feel like, other than the fact that the only other frame of reference that I have to Eric's is the movie Ladybugs, where what's-his-name tried <sighs> to be a Brandis. girl. Jonathan Brandis. Jonathan Brandis getting dressed up by Rodney Dangerfield in yes, drag. Yes, and being like... <laughs> because girls can't play soccer well. One of the most offensive films that's white chicks. Wow. But... But to do that and to do it well, that would be interesting to put some more legs on that. Because I know, like Eric said, it was just kind of that skeleton to flush out the conflict and the stuff like that. I think that would be interesting. Although I do have to agree with Adam is that it does feel like all of ours, minus the super powered strength of Charlie. Copyright infringement, you mean? Exactly. His <laughs> You're super missing out. Arm. You're missing that, out. Well, that's the only thing, because you also had elements that there were in the other stories, but that element was very unique to you. But outside of that, I did feel like there were some other similarities. Yeah, I think Eric would be my leaning towards... I would lean towards Adams as long as the film had the line, funky butt loving. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't get that reference. You don't? Oh, is that that's in Rookie of the Year when he's rookie at the doctor's year. and he smacks him in the nose and he goes, "Funky butt loving." He's like, "Did you say funky butt loving?" Let's see. Oh, it's been too long. I know that movie well. <laughs> well, it sounds like the vote goes to Eric and his story. So, oh, is there a way to actually combine Jeff's into your story? I think if he's got a daughter instead of a son. And that he got maybe he got into coaching the girls team and he has like kind of that ragtag bunch, but his daughter ends up like not wanting to play and then they kind of separate that way. And so he's still got the whole group of kids that he's trying to get to gel as a team. And then he's got this other conflict at home with his daughter that their bond is growing weaker and weaker as he gets stronger with this other group of girls that he's trying to put together. What if we go at it in a little bit different a way? Because my fear with that is that you don't, and it was even, even why too, why I was a little bit hesitant in my pitch about making it a girl because I didn't want it to be, oh, you wouldn't be interested because you're a girl. I didn't want to get into that whole thing. But what if it was that he does have a daughter, he assumes that she's not in, and then she joins an all-girls squad and then you get the conflict there i like the idea that he would 
coach a boys team that actually is doing really well and he could have success with and that the conflict could be oh you always wanted a son you could teach to play hockey and even though she was willing to play and do all these things when he got that opportunity he seized it now he's coaching boys that are super successful then like you said she goes ahead and joins a girls team and I was even thinking you could grab Jeremy's concept of marrying a woman who actually played for you know the female division and so he's almost got tunnel vision and she's like did you really think that our daughter would not be interested but he just never considered it and then it's almost like the mom has been training her over all these years and she's really good and then they actually pull her friends and put a team together and I almost think it'd be fun if Charlie does actually stay with the team it's not that he's a bad dad but he has a commitment and what if it's that his team are actually kind of sexist jerks and they challenge the girls so then you have like the boys versus girls and just like a scrimmage game or whatever but it's like a community event that now everybody's kind of there's divided lines in a comedic way but it's about girl power it's about the girls actually being you She's know great against her together. dad's team I like yeah, that. yeah i like that my other thought that i just had is bringing up a league of their own remember what, what was her name marla that was the uh-huh. really good player that her dad raised her like he would a boy. I mean, if we did go with the whole, like her mom had died and she was raised by her dad and he raised her to be quote, better than a girl. So it's almost like he has a resentment. Like maybe she wants to join an all girl team and he's like, no, you're better than a a girl team. You should be able to join a boy team because boy teams are better than girl teams. Part of my reasoning for doing my idea though, is to get rid of that stereotype of raising your daughter like a boy to play like the boys because you just play hockey. Right. To me, the movie should be about hockey is really for anybody and really any sport is for anybody. And it's not about your gender. It's about loving the game and playing a game and being with a team, whether it's all girls or all boys or a mix of whatever. And just using that kind of idea, I I don't know. You'd have to do it so that it wasn't just completely stereotypical because you know, like you were saying, you've, we've seen that a lot. Right. He's wrong. You present that stereotypical view that he has, which my guess is there are dads out there that have that idea that, man, I want to like have a hockey player, but I have a girl. Oh, well, maybe I can raise her to be like a boy or whatever. And it's like, no. You can know, you think of an instance in a film where that's been portrayed, where it wasn't assumed to be wrong? Where it wasn't assumed to be, well... Like, it's always like, portrayed that way, like, anyway. Like, I, you're not really breaking any ground there with that portrayal once again. If that's the point of the movie, is that he is wrong. You but know what could, I mean? Like, Yeah, where... it could be bigger than that, though. Like, well, that's okay. a very... I don't know, That could, that's kind of like well, a... Well, Eric, how do you think that your moral of the story or the you know the theme of the story how is the best way to present that then in what scenario do you feel like it just says gender lines don't matter because i almost feel like you know my concept also of saying well you know she does join a girls team and then this girls team versus boys team again is kind of a similar dynamic that's been done over the years because like you said the original films pretty much already did that by not mentioning it right they already showed us that it shouldn't even matter it's just about a team of kids who are playing and they're going to learn to be their best but now we're drawing attention to it saying there's going to be the girl ducks well part of me is like i coach kids who play on all female hockey teams there are actually the lady ducks and the lady kings and that kind of thing i don't know how to resolve that okay Well, no, but if I'm saying, is it a major issue for you to see that happen? Because I almost feel like I like the idea of what Jeff is saying. Maybe he did train her that maybe there isn't a mom in the picture and she is really good. And he's like, I want you to play on my team. But there's all these girls I know who want to play, who don't have a coach and don't have anybody to lead them. And then maybe she goes and because it could be a love story for Charlie where she instead of him already being married to a woman who's played in a women's league, she finds a coach and then puts the team together. They are the lady ducks, you know, and that they, you know, they get really good and all of those things. And now Charlie kind of has like a, a, you know, the, the, the kind of a combative relationship with that coach, but it really turns into a love story between them. So now by the end of it, now the girl has been without a mom for so long, but now she could also have a mom and have success in her skills and her dad could kind of 
come to his senses and realize how insensitive he's been to her, raising her like a boy, but realizing, no, she's a girl and she has feelings and she has emotions and she's going to be a little bit different. Like, I don't, again, drawing, maybe drawing too much attention to that, but I, I was thinking there might be more to this, more levels to the story than, you know, for, for that to happen. I'm down Thoughts? with that. I no, I like that idea that she wants to play on a different team, mainly because it's just her friends or whatever, and he's already committed to this thing, and then they find that coach. I'm not big on the love story thing, but that's just me in general because I hate love. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can have a sports movie without a love story, and it can be just about the relationship between father-daughter rather than exactly. this random well, female into say- the mix. Can you have a Mighty Ducks story without a love story, though? Because weren't they part of every single Mighty Ducks had a love yeah, story in it? Pretty much. You got to so have some we're breaking that. story. We're getting crazy. Okay. I'm cool with that. I mean, it sounds like if everybody's on board with that, we have a solid framework for the story. So the question then becomes, casting-wise, is there anybody in particular? Obviously, we're trying to get Joshua Jackson back here. Bombay is dead. <laughs> I want the girl who played X-23 and Logan. Uh, there you go i'm set i'm done (laughs) and emilio estevez's corpse you could just wrangle that up are we still doing that or no (laughs) okay (laughs) wishful thinking on your part what did he ever do to you he made it work you know speaking of that the other fun fact i learned about this which i'm actually surprised none of us found this out and worked it into our pitches is that charlie sheen was the original person they approached to play gordon bombay when they were putting the film together and he's emilio estevez's brother for those who don't know and he passed on it and then they went to emilio and he said fine i'll do it but i just thought what what a different movie that would have been. Wow, with, yeah. And I also, Joshua Jackson was not the first choice. It was actually going to be Jake Gyllenhaal, but his mom wouldn't let him because of the hockey element of it. Wow. So it's just like Jake Gyllenhaal and Charlie Sheen in the Mighty Ducks. That's crazy. But the question is, how do you feel like we can have a few cameos from the original Ducks then? Like, who can we bring back? You Even know, because be got a play-by-play guy. Yeah. It, it could be Aberman and oh. Aberman and Goldberg team it up. Yes, on the mic. They'll be working for ESPN or something, doing the play-by-play, or even for the youth hockey, like local radio station <laughs> disc jockeys. Or maybe like well, Adam and and Eric and I went to high school with this guy named Isaac Lowenkron. There it is. Who, yep. who would bring his tape recorder to the baseball games and do play-by-play just for himself. There was nothing that didn't go anywhere. He just recorded it for himself. So they could be like that. No one's actually listening. They're just doing play by play. <laughs> well, but you forgot that the end of that story is that Isaac Lohkron is a professional sportscaster. <laughs> he never on does that for a living. Radio. Yeah. True. He wasn't but... a crazy person. He was practicing <laughs> for his whole profession. No, he, he was a crazy person. He was a crazy person. It just, we they loved should have made movies. the Isaac Lohenkron story. That's a Disney movie right there. Oh, we blew it. Wow. We blew it. <laughs> Eric, did, did you ever play hockey with, with Isaac? Yeah, he played on quads. And he, he was, was really he was good. A stud on those old school four wheel, like, oh man. He played on quads and he dominated. Yeah. He yes, schooled he me every time I played against him. <laughs> All right. So, do we have any real casting to do? I mean, just talking cameos this is open casting call and all the all the lady ducks for one right so with or without the relationship thing it sounds like charlie's not going to want to be the coach initially right correct so we need someone else to do it or is she gonna is this the daughter gonna take over coaching initially well no she can't i mean she's a kid so they have to have an actual coach come in do they unless that's the point they have no coach and then this 14 year old does it as best she can which is why there is that need for charlie to step in eventually what i'm saying is that legal aside from the (laughs) insurance problems with (laughs) this is again mighty ducks man insurance there's we're which still talking I have to, geek, man. Which I have to bring up. In the first movie, like, there were so many illegal things going on right. in that hockey league. <laughs> People wearing football helmets and magazines taped around their ankles. 
I'm sorry. I, I think it could work, which is to say, like, they organized their team. They probably challenged some of the guys in the neighborhood to pick up games and stuff like that. So it's like they're building their reputation. It's not that there is a girls league that they're joining necessarily. So but I'm saying like, like maybe that. if you've seen Mystery Alaska where they're just a bunch of guys up in Alaska who play and then the New York Rangers come and challenge them to a scrimmage. It's that kind of thing where they build their own team together and they figure out how to play together. And then it's more of just a scrimmage kind of thing. But I think they do have to have a crazy Zamboni driver. We got to get a character actor in there just to creep the kids out. Why don't we get Charlie Sheen? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or Martin go. Sheen <laughs> One of the Sheen boys Yeah, We're setting this back in Minnesota um, I, I think Conway would happen. go back to his roots He doesn't need okay. to be yeah. in like California Because again, yeah And that's the, the nice thing too Because if he's in California Like I was talking about Then it's a very different atmosphere out here Whereas if he's back in Minnesota People actually do play hockey People but play yeah, hockey but... here too <laughs> They do But, you know I try my Like best. you said like I said, you got to beg your students to, to, hey, you're playing hockey, right? Okay. Hey, the so. Ducks actually have a guy from Irvine on their team. Do they really? Yes, oh, they nice. do. Yes, they, he actually game. played in the playoffs this last yeah. season. So Sweet. There are more oh. players from California coming all the time. But Good back on. to the Zamboni driver. <laughs> I, I did want to throw one thing in before the Zamboni driver. Can we just make one, like, again, I know we're not doing specific casting for the kids, but rather than it being one of those well, we need a catcher, goalie, whatever. Let's just make the fat kid do it. Can we right. do it so instead it's like, oh, you're too skinny to be a goalie. And so she actually has to be skilled at being a goalie. Can, can we do something like that? Most goalies who are good, like you don't see very many overweight goalies Spaculous. at all. Right, they have to move around. They're and probably then... the most athletic people on the team. Maybe yeah. like short or small, because oh, then perfect. it's all about athletic ability and positioning and that I kind like... of thing. And because it's a sad thing. I mean, we talk about you know the movie tropes that are out there and girls being bad at sports and fat people being comic relief. These are another ones that are not healthy for our world. And so it'd be nice to. Break a couple more of those. Well, and that's uh, if you set it in California, you've got your diversity factor because I look at my classroom and I have about 20 different nationalities going on any given period. So that's kind of cool. And anybody of any nationality could be a Zamboni driver. Now, oh boy, you're really not going to let this one go. (laughs) Gary Busey. Gary. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. We got to win. Nailed it. I was either thinking him or Randy Quaid. But I think uh, he's in jail or something. Yeah. Yeah. Randy sure Quaid can't get the country. Yeah. I got that, a holographic cool. Randy Quaid. <laughs> get some <laughs> shots of him passing by and leering at people strangely. That's all uh-huh. you need. What about that guy? Who's that guy that's always in those Adam Sandler movies that was the crazy farmer that was like... <laughs> guy from Waterboy? Yeah, from Waterboy. Nobody knows his name, but he's the gravelly know. voice Adam Sandler fellow. We'll just call up uh, Mr. Sandler and say, yes. can you can we borrow him for some, a time? Yeah, I'm not making another movie for about two weeks, so yeah, you can have him. Adam Sandler. Uh, that so is prolific. Blake Clark, Farmer Fran. Oh yeah, Blake Clark. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> from Minnesota! Oh my hey, god! What? Oh my gosh, he's a local. So wait, what did we have a title by the way? Or right. is it D four the Lady Ducks, but the Lady Ducks? It fits. It's got a good ring to it. It's reminiscent of the first. All right. So. All right. The one thing I should mention too though is this is kind of where Disney is going. Because I've been waiting forever, and I had hoped that we would get to it, and then this announcement came. But The Rocketeer, they're making a sequel called The Rocketeers, and it's actually about female rocketeers fighting in World War II, from what I understand. And they're developing that right now, so it's like Disney's doing that. All right. Any final thoughts on this sequel? I think the final shot has to be a quadruple deke. So what is that? The, is there a spin involved or how? Nope. It's just stick handling one extra time. The one thing I do want to ask, because we did poo poo it already, but I just wanted to get from a, a hockey coach. Can you like explain the dynamics or why the dynamics do not work of the knuckle puck? Exactly what they were trying to do and what. Else? See, Jeff, there's this thing called physics. And yeah. what happens is. 
there's gravity and there's uh, momentum, and I don't know enough about this topic to really say anything. Well, although the well, knuckle. Well, let's just put it this way: is that you know all of us having seen that movie tried that where we would just tip it up on its side and then just smack it. Why does With that not work? With your immense skill and slap shots, yes. I am sure that we've all done that. But according to the first one, you just hit it as hard as you can, and it goes in every time. Well, oh, we're going to get technical. <laughs> please! I um, want a little technical, please. There, Okay, there is some merit to shooting a puck that's on edge. Now, no, it is not possible to, like, put the puck on edge and hit it perfectly so that it's going to do all this strange fluttering and that kind of thing. But if you do shoot a puck that is rolling, the thing is, like, it's very inaccurate. And the thinking behind it is, like, if you shoot a puck that's rolling, you don't really know where it's going to go. Therefore, neither does the goalie. So it can do kind of some dipping a little bit in the air, especially if you shoot it from that really far away. But there's no, like, strategic, I'm going to put this on edge and shoot it, and it's going to do exactly what it does in the movie, because that's just insane. So it, the knuckle puck is stupid, and I hate it. Is <laughs> <what I'm saying. laughs> After all, all right. of that jibber-jabber. The no, other I'm thing good. I'd like to point out, if if you watch the first movie, when they do triple deke, he actually does a decent move to go backhand, forehand, bring it across and shoot uh, in the final penalty shot. In the second movie, and this is my biggest pet peeve, you've got the best player on Team Iceland, which is a traditional hockey powerhouse. Not really. He comes in, he does a triple deke, he stops and just takes a slap shot. He doesn't even make a move. He stops like 30 feet away from the goalie, which you would never, ever do in a no, penalty shot. No, And he takes a slap shot. And you know how they swi we, they switched out the goalies? So you had Goldberg in there, and then they put the cat in there because she's got, like, the really quick glove. So he pulls up. He's like, watch the triple deke. He always goes three, and then he shoots glove side. Well, he does three stick handles, stops, takes a slap shot, and then there's, like, five seconds in the movie where nobody knows where the puck is, and it's, like, this mystery. Did she save it? Did she not? And it's, like... You'd see the puck hit the net if it had gone in. <laughs> Obviously, it's in her glove, and then she, like, flips it in the air, and everybody's like, oh, my God, I had no idea, and it's just the stupidest thing. I hate the ending of that movie so much, so I just had to talk hockey there for a little bit. Well, that'll be our one studio note as well, as we got to get Eric in there as the technical consultant. There you go. Make sure it's Perfect. looking good. These girls got to represent. Yeah, just Google uh, knuckle puck physics and somebody actually broke it down because it did happen in the nhl back in 2011 it looks what? like yeah so it's pretty in-depth kind of nerdy kind of geeky i will definitely take a look at that <laughs> i know a tumbling puck can get deflected more easily which is a good thing but or sometimes not but yeah as a strategy the, the amount of time it takes to actually set up that shot, you'd be <laughs> Hold on, guys. Wait, don't yeah. hit me while I try to put this puck at the perfect position. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll wrap up this week's episode. Where can the people find you, Adam? Well, I'm always on Twitter yammering away about old stuff from the 90s like this movie, so you can find me at Hoju Coolander. Jeff? I am not on Twitter. <laughs> You can find him on the next episode of Sequel Quest. Oh, okay. That's not what I was supposed to say. <laughs> and Eric, is there anything you want to promote? I teach middle school math. Leave me alone and let me do my job. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Eric, again, thanks for being here. And uh, I think, as Jeff has indicated, we need to revisit some more sports moments in films. So I think we'll probably have to have you back at a certain point, talk a baseball movie. If you do, like, Major League back. or Bull Durham or something, or League of Their Own 2, I'm down. Let me I'm, I'm i'm your man or apparently rookie of the year rookie of the year because like <laughs> we already wrote that one rookie of the year two the same thing <laughs> well it would just be soccer i'll tell you right now rookie of the year two, it just breaks his leg and there's a tendon in my knee and i can kick really hard oh funky butt loving <laughs> 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to join us next week for another discussion about a film that never was. Share your ideas with the Sequel Quest universe by visiting SequelQuestPod.com, following us on Twitter at SQPod, on Facebook by searching Sequel Quest, or sending an email to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com. Let the world know how much you enjoy the show by leaving a review and five-star rating on iTunes. All films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. 